Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me once again are... Tori. And CJ. And I think I gave you a rough job this last week of reading the second half of Kid Dynamo. Uh, it was busy. Yeah, I, I don't mean yeah. it was bad. I just mean that, like, yeah. it was a job. It, it was a job. It, it was a job in the sense that I actually reread several of the chapters twice. So, like, as much as the reading seemed like it was a certain amount, it was actually so dense. Mm. We need to go back a couple times. So I, it was a job. I will agree with that. On the other hand, I took the more passive route, and I just let the characters wash over me like waves. <laughs> just fair. accepted their existence. I literally could not do that because I would stop and be like, I have no idea what just happened. Things would happen so quickly, like new people would come in, and mm-hmm. I'd be like, a name would come up, and I'd be like, when? Who are you? Where did you come from? I was like, well, this is just like taking a crash course in yeah. a bunch of different comics. Well, what, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's taking a crash course in the events of the Marvel Universe in the X-Men quarter of, you know, that Marvel Universe in 1987. Like, it's all very specific. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll get there, but yeah, I I was much more prepared reading this fanfic having listened some years ago to the relevant portions of Jay and Miles explain the X Men, which is a <laughs> podcast that goes through things like episode issues nice. by issues, kind of. Seems necessary for this experience. Yeah, not gonna lie, that would have not... been useful. <laughs> <laughs> I did not remember a lot of. A lot of this stuff from when I read this fanfic way back in the day, and there's probably a reason for that. But before we jump into New Mutants fanfic, Kid Dynamo by Connie Hirsch, published in the late 1980s, anything else that we want to mention from the last week or so? Any news? Have you developed any mutant powers late in life? Only a few. Maybe. What have you got? Uh, Well, I've noticed this, like supernatural ability to know when i need to go to the bathroom Hmm. and also to shower really fast nice yeah i've uh i've noticed that uh i'm better at staying awake more and more Hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. through no fault of my own really but i'm getting better at it (laughs) (laughs) how is sleep going with your little one Oh, it's it's in a good spot right now (laughs) i can say that yeah (laughs) You're saying, like, it's in a good spot. You just don't need sleep anymore. That's, yeah, that's why it's good. Yeah, I, I just, I decided it was easier to cast off my human need for sleep <laughs> than to try and change her ways. So take heed, all ye listening. <laughs> I feel like, you know, decades later from this, or whenever Grant Morrison took over, you know, X-Men for a while at the very yeah, least, yeah. it became more of a thing to just, like, have mutants who don't have cool powers. It's like, I'm a mutant. Right. And I look really weird, and it sucks. Or like, you know, I'm a mutant, and you know, that's yeah. But I don't that's get what would cool happen. Out. Yeah, you'd think, right? Right. That was definitely a Grant. Yeah, like yeah. I don't think it was specifically Grant Morrison. But who it, did I feel that, like that that era yeah, was kind of like when yeah, I associated with that because he introduced so many characters. Anyway, yeah, I the feel let's like, be real era. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it, and he did some other stuff too that you know, he he was like. 
look, Magneto is an irredeemable, you know, genocidal supervillain, so I'm going to, like, make sure that that gets hammered home and, I, and, you know, no one can ever turn him back into, like, a conflicted anti-hero. And obviously later on people turned him back to a conflicted anti-hero. Mm. It, it didn't help. But, like, he had a few things he was trying to do with that series, I feel like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good effort, good effort. <laughs> it's okay, I, I like my conflicted anti-hero Magneto, at least in this era. Do you think that was like a direct response to the New Mutants stuff? With no, like, because Magneto had already egg, been but... like he'd already bounced back. Okay. you know, after well, that, I don't know. Because this is my lack of familiarity. Like, I'm actually more familiar with Grant Morrison stuff than I am with like, uh, and some more classic X Men mm-hmm. than I am with New Mutants or like anything else in like the '80s. Basically, sure. Like, I'm not familiar with a lot of what I basically in the only 80s. know the '80s and have not read Grant Morrison's run. <laughs> That's crazy, yeah. Like, I'm way more familiar with the 90s and early 2000s stuff, so I think we have very, like, contradictory perspectives. But I'm just saying, like, Magneto is sympathetic is a totally alien concept Mm. to me. So that's why this story is, like, really hard to parse for me. As it may, his uh, character is, shall we say, more positively polarized in this version Ooh, was that a magnets joke i am not sorry (laughs) (laughs) i guess his powers have something to do with magnetism it's you know never quite clear he can just do some stuff may or may not be the master no no, that's going too far i think quote magnetism I think magnetism as a force can do more in Magneto's hands than magnetism as a force can do in actual physics, is all I'm saying. Mm. Exactly. Uh, speaking of which, I guess let's jump back into the fanfic, right? Because mm-hmm. we left off, this is our first deliberate two-parter, where we stopped reading uh, Kid Dynamo after six chapters last time. Oh, I guess it is our and first we, deliberate two-parter. Yeah. Like, we did two-parter for the, the, for the Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy but, but that's just was... because we talked for too long. Yeah. <laughs> We had too many words in our bodies. This time we meant to talk for too long. Mm-hmm. So we left off our story about this new character, Jessica, and various New Mutants characters. Uh, and if you don't know what we're talking about, listen to the first part. I'm not going to try to catch you up. There's no, no reason to. No, there this isn't. This is the second part of our first episode on this fanfic, Kid Dynamo. Yeah. So characters were trapped in Asgard, uh, except for Magneto and Stevie Hunter, who were kind of trapped like somewhere not quite in Asgard. Pocket uh, universe. Yeah, yeah, some pocket universe, whatever. Oh man, strap in, folks. It's going to get crazy. <laughs> some stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Who do we want to follow first between our two groups? Well, how does... So we're starting off with chapter six, correct? Seven. Seven. Oh, yeah. my bad. All right, we're starting off with chapter seven now. Mm-hmm. How does chapter seven begin? Begins with Loki. Yeah, and Loki's like... Oh, looks like I have some useful pawns, actually. I didn't yeah. mean to get them, but I've got them. Yeah, he performs mm-hmm. this kind of like magic i guess we're starting with this group sure sure uh he's, he performs this kind of magic ritual that yeah, so traps the spirit of firefall of jessica's mom who apparently has just been hanging around out around her because like loki yeah. like traps her like she's been a guardian spirit like in jessica's proximity apparently yeah i mm-hmm. there was no hint of that until now but nope. loki literally like calls her up and interrogates her and lets her pass on the other side once he's done <laughs> Rude, like but okay <laughs> <laughs> Super weird. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. So he gets all the deets. Right. I guess. Yeah. Lots of deets. And decides he wants to do something with this information. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "It'll take my personal touch." Mm-hmm. And we we cut back to the new mutants back in you know the manor, and they've got like, um, 
Uh, we don't have to do everything, but basically, like, back at home, they actually do know that their characters are trapped in Asgard. They just can't get there because there's, like, dimensional barriers up right now. Mm-hmm. And, like, Ilyana can't get them there. They don't really have any other options. Yeah. You know. They've figured it out somehow, but they're just kind of like, I just, well... I mean, just scrying. Il- Ilyana's, like, a Swiss Army knife of useful, <laughs> you know, abilities, really. Yeah. Um, she would be... I, if I was running this, you know, superhero role-playing game, I would, I would probably not approve of that character because just like she derails too many plots by her very existence but she's so awesome (laughs) (laughs) i'd be like can you pick can you pick something out of the divination and time travel and instant teleportation and like ruling a demon realm where you're the sorcerer supreme and you can keep the magic disruption cool sword that's awesome like (laughs) and typically iliana would say uh no i'm keeping it all i need all of it (laughs) She's cool as a cucumber mm-hmm. throughout this entire thing. So. Speaking of cool as a cucumber, Sam has them still doing homework while everybody else is like, yeah. I was a little okay. bit surprised. <laughs> Sam's character, not going to lie, was like the least flavor to me in this whole thing. He was just kind of like, yeah, he has them doing homework. Like that was something that stood out. But like what else uh, about his character exists? Like I, I had a hard time like getting a grip on his character. He's just a lawful good dude. Yeah, yeah. He, just, and, he seems like, yeah, like a very rule-following guy. Like, a lot of his role is to be like, y- you know, Magneto's good now, and everyone should respect that. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't see him doing much else. He is the boring good. leader between him and Danny. Like, he is the guy who, like, he's not he's not usually portrayed as, like, stick-up-his-butt kind of, like, super annoying. No, like, like, but like, it didn't seem like he had a stick-up-his-butt. Like he, he, have... he wasn't very... Um, Interesting. And, yeah, he didn't, like, catch your attention. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Anyway, so he, I guess it's a way to distract him also. But yeah, he gets Ilyana doing binomial equations because they can't do anything else. And by the way, this inability to use a phone to communicate with other people is definitely a problem that the X-Men and related characters have at this time. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, maybe we could, you know, ask our contacts at the Fantastic Four or Avengers. But like, no, because people don't have phones or use them or, Mm -hmm. you know, the... The original X-Men are out there. Maybe we should call for support. Like, Cyclops had these Thunderbolts through dimensional travel, but no one knows where to read Cyclops. Like, because they're just not in touch, even though he's right over there mm-hmm. in another team. And they're just... No one has a phone number. It's terrible. Late 80s <laughs> problems, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Well, yeah. No cell phones. Whatever. I mean, theoretically, there's some, like, super powerful. They could have something akin to a cell phone, but... I mean, okay. Professor X isn't not. around, so... Yeah. They don't he's have their any, phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so back in Asgard, which I guess is the name of the dimension, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's also Asgard City, which is not where they are. Right. So it's like New York, New York. <laughs> <laughs> right. Asgard, Asgard. They're basically in Poughkeepsie right now, right? Right. That's, that's the idea. <laughs> Loki rolls over Poughkeepsie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, Jessica and Doug and Danny, they have some freedom of like the grounds and stuff. They, like, go horseback riding. They're kind of, like, scouting things out. They're like, can we get away from here? Can we just, like, break and run? They run into this dude, Lucas, who is an a anthropo- graduate student. A graduate student of anthropology, mm-hmm. University it's of Minnesota. So weird. It's weird and hilarious. And I was like, no, okay, I accept that. Because he's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, my, my, my department head or whatever, my supervisor knew someone in, like, Norway. Who, who sent had, me to who, Asgard. Who had contacts in Asgard and sent me up here. I don't know about you guys, but I knew right away what was up. 
Well, like right away I after the description of the did character, did not know what was up. I did not think that's up. I did not catch but, on until later. But I definitely thought it was super strange. I was like, what sort of world? Like, I didn't think the X Men world was just like random grad students going to Asgard. No, but, the, the Marvel universe but, normally isn't, but it kind of makes sense. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair. A lot of this stuff, like, in this fanfic was new information for me from X-Men. So I was like, mm-hmm. maybe? Maybe. Like, I, I definitely did believe it. It's not a thing, but I also thought it was super cool. And he's not even researching the, North Pan- the Norse pantheon as, like, a, oh, the Norse gods are real, I need to learn about them. Because, like, you know, the Norse gods in Norse myth are not the Marvel Universe Norse gods, right? Mm-hmm. What he's actually researching is, quote, religious beliefs in a society where the gods are actually walking around. That's awesome. And I was awesome. like, that's awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah, Every, everything about the situation is awesome. But anyway, he and Jessica hit it off and kind of have, like, maybe an attraction to each other going. Mm-hmm. And they also eventually... Weird, though, because he's supposed to be a grad student and she's supposed to be 17. Yeah. yeah okay, that, 17. I, grad student. Oh, grad no. student, yeah. He's got to be at least... undergrad. Yeah, he's got to be at least 22 or 23. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's not okay. Anyway, moving on. Uh, they eventually all, like, kind of join in with him. Like, they kind of have him sneak them out because, like, he has passage to come and go. And, uh, you know, whatever. They're going to try to, like, break and run, basically. Another plot thread gets set up here where there's a couple mentions in passing, this is from Jessica's point of view, where she's like, yeah, I gotta hurry home before my roots start showing. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, yeah. what are you talking about, Jessica? Because like, this is nothing that has come up before, yeah, really. Yeah, she's mentioning that she dyes her hair. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, but it only felt casual, like, oh, I'm just dyeing my hair because I like it, but now it feels And here urgent. it's like, another week, the, in another yes. week, the roots of my hair would start showing, and then the shit would hit the fan. Right. Yeah, so and you start to get the sense that there's some secret here, and I, I think... That we've all kind of inferred before this what the secret no, might CJ be. did. Yeah, we. No. I think we did mention it last episode, right? What's the secret? It was in our, predic- our predictions. Yes. Well, well, let's hurry through the Asgard stuff, because it's actually not that important, even though it takes forever. It like right. takes another two chapters. Yeah, like, they, they basically come up with a plot to steal something that was stolen from Loki. Loki, to give it back to Loki, so he'll send them home. Yes. It's mm-hmm. kind of shenanigan-y. I like when they're talking about this to Lucas, and they're like, okay, so we like, you know, we sneak in like this way, and like we send Jessica into the fire lake to like retrieve this thing and stuff, and he's like, what do they teach you at your private school? Like, black ops? And I loved Jessica's <laughs> response, which is that, we play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, right? Because they don't tell him anything about their... Like, their school, they try not to. Right. So they're like, but yeah. I like how personal that kind of was to the author, you know? Yeah. It was like just like a little nerdy insert. Like, you could have said anything, but it was D&D. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They end up getting saved, saved by Valkyries, which is significant because Danny kind of like, she was only with the Valkyries extremely briefly. She kind of picked up a Pegasus and was like, well, I'm off. Mm-hmm. And like the Valkyries as a culture are like, no, you got to go through this like ritual. And mm. um, Jessica gets pulled, and uh, like we're skipping some stuff that doesn't really matter, right? They get caught before they can steal the thing. Yeah, whatever. The blah, blah, blah. We're it. skipping to the gay part, okay? Right, right. Because, well, briefly touching on Jessica, she gets kind of accidentally forced to do it too because this other Valkyrie miss tells her too much, and the do senior what, Valkyries are like, like do, do this, um, this like initiation ritual, like spiritual quest kind of thing mm-hmm. in her case it basically apparently she gets off super easy that's what all the valkyries tell her it's just like oh you get to commute i get to communicate with my deepest self and like realize i got some issues i got some daddy issues some daddy it issues. was a spirit horse that represented her father yeah, yeah. so so and she got to talk to him yeah 
Yeah, they just they chill and then he leaves and they're like, "All right, you're done." <laughs> yeah, yeah. More importantly, Danny gets to be a full fledged Valkyrie, which doesn't mean anything because she immediately jets and runs. Like mm-hmm. she's just like, "And I'm off now with Brightwind, my cool Pegasus that I have a psychic link to." She's like, yeah. "I told you I was over this. I'm still over it. Goodbye." And mm-hmm. this other Valkyrie, who's friends with her, Mist, goes along with them. Mm-hmm. And in this fanfic, I was like, "Is Mist a character from the comics?" And I looked it up, and she oh, yeah. is. Oh, yeah, like really? she is the Valkyrie who, like Danny, comes into contact with initially when, like, this initial, you know, spirit bonding with the Pegasus going down in Asgard. It's just she has like five panels. It's not like she's like a character oh, character. Okay. Well, she seemed like you know, Miss sounds like an X Men name. You know, sure. like I was like, oh, maybe she just shows right up in. later. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, like I can pull up a picture of her. She's blonde. That's. That's what she's got going for her. She's like a Valkyrie, whatever. Um, but uh, like, she's not really a character. I think that's Danny, but okay. Oh, whoops, sorry. <laughs> it got zoomed out. You got Miss Arm. Earth 616. Yes, this is all, this is all Earth 616, yes. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, wow. I mean... So much better than Earth 615. <laughs> I could look up what's on Earth 615, if anything, you know. This, this, yeah, in the Captain Britain title, there was a lot of dimension hopping, and they designated earth the, the authors didn't want to do what dc comics did they were like this earth is earth one and that mm-hmm. earth is earth two mm-hmm. and so they were like no the earth that you've been following is earth 616 and there's like mm-hmm. you know thousands of them that's where you live deal with it right <laughs> yeah <laughs> no and that's chill what um, i do gotta say is everybody has bangs in this comic it's mm, true Lots of bangs. Yeah. Must have been the problems. style. I mean, I think that's more important than with Incarnation of Earth, Ron, is how many people have bangs. But bangs and occasionally mullets. Well, Earth 616 is bangs Earth. So The, the point is... Ah, miss, got it. Well, miss, but they're not even on Earth, right? That's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Asgard <Oops>. 616. <laughs> <laughs> bangs Asgard. All right. Anyway, moving on. Well, the point is Miss goes along with him because she's like, I want to see Earth and, like, travel with you, my good new friend Danny. And, like, actually it's that she totally has a crush on Danny. And they mm-hmm. definitely, like, start making out in the room that Danny shares with Jessica, uh, like, in short order once and they, like, get to an inn. Of course, because this is a Jessica-centered story. She walks in on them. And she's like, "Up, oh, I'm going now. Yeah. And... This this one of the factors that compels her to spend the night with Lucas, and there's like kind of a yeah. mm-hmm. uh, who also just was like, hey, do you want to sleep together earlier in the night? I mean, he was he put it a little bit more classier than that, I guess. But like, you know, he had invited her to well, his room. He earlier. just like come to my room, yeah, which is not that much more classy than I guess hey, not want to sleep together. Yeah, you're right. He's already got like wine glasses set up and everything. He's like ready. Yeah, <laughs> so, so that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, the and then in Asgard, following this plot thread, right, they go back to re-steal this this gem, and they do it successfully now, partially because Doug's powers. No, yeah, well, that's that's one of the things, but no, not really. I forgot to mention Doug's powers got supercharged earlier because they just on like a hunch they were like, well, are you are you accessing the collective subconscious and accessing your language powers? And it's yeah. like, yeah, that's one of the theories. And they were like, if you can access the, cl- the collective subconscious to get language skills, can you just do that for any skills? And he's like, no, I definitely can't do that. Well, this is what we mentioned before. before. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> and Jessica does, puts him under hypnosis, which is just like, I mean, very simple, straightforward hypnosis. And it's like, okay, now try it. And he tries it. And eventually, basically, he can just get any skill that is like not specific knowledge instantly. Mm-hmm. And I don't entirely buy it because he gets these physical skills too. 
And I'm like, look, knowing things is fine. Mm-hmm. But, like, do you get the, you know, the muscle memory? Yeah, the training and the muscle yeah. memory. No. But then again, now that I think about it, half of language speaking is also not knowledge. It is, like, tongue memory. It, you know, there is muscle memory involved there, too. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so I guess if you're just running with his powers, you can be um, like, yeah, sure. Like, you can just do things yeah. that, that people can do. That's the fair. The question was, if... You could understand any language. Could yeah, like a physical kinetic language such as martial arts be mm-hmm. something that you could absorb? That is a common way for people to expand Doug's powers in fan fiction is just yes. like body language. Because, you know, there's already like Cassandra Kane in the Batman titles who does, that's her power. Or like Taskmaster mm-hmm. in the Marvel Universe, that's like what he does too. It's mm-hmm. just like body language fluency such that you're a badass fighter. No question. Um, Cypher's language is mostly, like Doug, is mostly applied in the comics towards computers, correct? No, it's any language. It's just that Mm -hmm. the obvious, it's just that the obvious way for him to be like incredibly super powerful is living long enough for the internet to come about, which he did not do because he was killed in 87. Yeah. Like. But then he came back. Of course he came back. (laughs) I mean, he came back like twice. Yeah. At least one Mm -hmm. and a half times. (laughs) Yeah, I guess he did. Is this fanfic in any way extrapolating on his power? Yeah, absolutely. That's all extrapolation of his power. Oh, okay. I so say what throw Dougie at power? Canonically speaking, language. Yeah. Oh, including computer I languages. See. Yeah. Okay. It. I always thought that he had more power than that for some reason. Once he comes back know. from the dead, eventually he kind of does. Yeah. 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 Anyway, cool. But, I mean, but not in the fanfic, and no. That's, like, that's his deal. merges with Warlock. Yeah. Right. Well, he, that's just like wearing Warlock as like a suit of powered Doug, armor. Which Doug is Lock. really fucking <laughs> oh, weird. Oh, oh, that merging. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a different thing. I Freaking Doug Lock, whatever. <laughs> Why? Why? Why not? <laughs> Why? Yeah, I, I know. I know. <laughs> why is the better question than why not in yeah. this situation? You couldn't stop yourself from doing some research before you ran out of steam, right, CJ? Yeah, I did yeah. a lot in the beginning, and then I gave up. I, I just, like I said, the waves. I just let the waves wash over me. <laughs> so so the point is, they re-steal this gem, and, like, the owner of it, who's another, like, Asgardian noblewoman, like, confronts them, but guess what? The guy whose name started with L, who showed up after Loki was plotting, and was Loki. What? And a K sound in the middle. Oh, no yes, it way. was Loki. Yes, okay. Oh, my mind is blown. And... I mean... And it was really fucking messed up. It's pretty messed it's up. really, really, really wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, just rape. Like, you know, it's on... Oh, she's know. also... Straight up. She's underage. That too. You know, as, as the start of the thing. Second thing is, she has no idea who he is. And the sex yeah. was but, completely unnecessary for the plan. He's, yeah. He's, what, thousands of years old, and she's yeah. 17, and he's lying. It's, yep. it's all gross and terrible. All really on the bad. right side, um, you know, it's not portrayed as not gross and terrible at least at this time yeah um, but it's not it's not given the due that I no think it's, it's not given good. that much as much weight as it's, you might think first of all it's not necessary like they could have had a flirtation and it would have achieved the same result same betrayal sure yeah second of all or like some sort of trust like they could have had a conversation that built trust but instead they had sex um jessica says she's a virgin She's uh, what what the author puts it as is she's technically not a virgin, which I don't know what that means. 
I think it means. I guess it means she's had penetrative sex before. There was a name mentioned. I don't forget. Yeah, I don't remember. Wasn't that name mentioned? Manuel's father with that like sexual abuse stuff going on there. Maybe that was she was raped before. But anyway, she's been raped again. So there you go. Um, There you go. That's horrible, and I feel like the process. It doesn't give her due time to process everything that's happened. I think she handles it very well, but I think it's not a giving her... I don't know. The author doesn't give her the full space to process it because she just has to move on. It's true. It like goes in the right direction, but then, then the story just kind of gets distracted and like doesn't yeah. really... You know, like she's angry and she gets to be angry, but she doesn't get to process what's happened to her. And uh, apparently, it's happened to her before. So uh, it's uh, it's very complicated. On the way out, apparently, he tries casting a love spell on her and like rebounds, like in that last Mm -hmm. scene. Yeah, because she has some kind of like psychic shield. Mm -hmm. I think it's supposed to come from. I mean, well, her her parentage a little bit because like her father kind of has resistance to psychic stuff going on too. It's a little bit more complicated than her case. But anyway, they do get teleported. Loki's like, oh, I love you. This being Loki, it doesn't change his behavior all that much. No. Like, really, you know, yeah. he he's like, oh, yeah, you're great. I'm still an evil, like, bastard who lies all yeah. the time. Just because he loves her That's doesn't mean he crazy. loves her yeah. in a healthy way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's kind of, like, I actually kind of appreciated that part, even though a lot of this was super messed up, you know, especially the part you know the the, like the sexual assault part of it where it was like the love spell rebounded and then he sort of like blamed her for it but the thing i appreciate is that loki having a love spell in action on him Mm -hmm. you know as a rebound doesn't a love spell doesn't affect him that much because like love doesn't mean that much exactly he fell in love with her doesn't mean he's gonna follow her everywhere no he's just like okay doesn't mean she's the most important thing in her life life. literally all he does is send her flowers because that's loki he'll get back around about love right Mm -mm. but he's definitely more busy trying to you know crush his half-brother or whatever adopt a brother take over asgard like you know just be evil and just being evil mm-hmm. full He's, of lies right. <laughs> uh, anyway so they get back to to earth that way mm-hmm. meanwhile there's other weird sexual stuff going on it's a weird sex, couple of chapters yeah with magneto yeah, sexuality, and sexuality da- like yeah. really comes into this super hard and fast magneto and stevie like they they get out of their little sub-dimension and they you know land in another one right they land in another one or whatever another planet asgard whatever mm-hmm. And, like, they stop by the spring, and apparently it's, like, some kind of Piers Anthony friggin' love spring or something. Because <laughs> it's it's just love potion. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, the thing is, it, it seems, they describe it more as, like, losing their inhibitions. Mm-hmm. So, like, on the one hand, they're already attracted to each other. They're interested in each other. They just, like, go with this, and, like, Stevie kind of, like, you know, puts the moves very directly on him, mm-hmm. and then he starts responding. And, like, they have, yes. they have an, an evening together. Mm-hmm. And... So on the one hand, it's like less distressing because they are actively in- interested in each other. And there's this weird, you know, the extent to which they protest this is an inappropriate relationship mm-hmm. is not fully explored because like th- they don't even directly say it. L- the idea is that Magneto is her boss, right? That's why this is like totally, uh, well, he, like he, he's, he's her also employer. twice her age. Yeah. Um, he doesn't and, think he'd make a good partner, which is right. fair. Right. Yeah. He's like, I only do sex with long-term relationships and I don't do long-term relationships is basically his stance. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. done with those. <laughs> yeah, no. And, but whatever. Yeah, Stevie seems actually like she's pretty open to receiving him. 
his long-term partner, oh, yeah. he seems like it, he has a, a lot more reserve. It, which it, makes sense because he's done a lot of evil fucking supervillain things in his he's life. He's lost a family. He's got a lot of baggage. Like, yeah, he's he got a lot of stuff yeah. going on. I understand why you wouldn't want to commit to someone, especially someone half his age. Like I, I like in the post like post sex conversation, like the next day when they're like trying to work this out and it's the emotional fallout. There's a few good moments of like him having this like, you know, sixty year old man in nineteen eighty seven perspective and her just kind of like rolling her eyes mentally. At one point he's like, Don't worry, I still respect you and like in in mm-hmm. her mind she's like Thanks so much. And she just, like, <laughs> yeah. l- lets it lie. But that's the thing that confuses me about Stevie is she seems so progressive. And then when every every time he says something, like, antiquated and misogynistic, right. yeah, she never calls him out. Like, I feel like she should. But anyway. Yeah, whatever. He's uh, the master of magnetism, after all. <laughs> yes, he's too magnetic. Uh, and then he ends up murdering a dragon yeah they, they like save a mm. village of small humanoids from a dragon that was crazy i know we forgot about that didn't we a, a dragon fight <laughs> gets that crazy it happened too fast like it was so much all of a sudden yeah that was the part that i read three times yeah what well they're trying to find civilization and like there's a dragon just like freaking destroying this village That's and in the way maybe so... like i guess i gotta kill this dragon and he does <laughs> with lightning i guess <laughs> Yeah. Um, and we'll have to look up how many experience points he gets for that, but it's quite a few. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a big dragon. And then the, the people of the village give him a feast. Yeah. And they discuss their relationship further. And, and then, then they have every fanfic author's favorite romance trope, which is there's only one bed. Yep. Or in this case, three small beds pushed together. Snow White bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, which because are they were all very small person. people. Very small people, yeah. 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 And yeah. there were a lot of Wizard of Oz references. Oh, yeah. Stevie keeps right. mentioning the Wizard of Oz and, like, dropping references to the movie. And Magneto's only read the book as a kid. Right. That's, that's about it. She's like, it's been around since, like, 1930-something. You gotta watch it. <laughs> right. Kind of weird that he hasn't seen it, really. But I guess he was busy for a few decades there, you know, being a terrorist. And, you know, mm-hmm. in a concentration camp, too. When he was oh, that, younger, too. So You're right. Yeah. A little busy. No, he's been very busy. Mm. Um, anyway, the point is, on their relationship thread, they they sleep together again, not just because of the bed thing, but they're kind of like, let's do this again when we're in our right minds and consenting to this. And, and then bo- see how we feel. And they're, they're both down with that, and they do. And the weird thing is... The, for, for several chapters now, the fanfic has been spending a lot of time on Stevie and Magneto. Mm-hmm. Mm. And this is kind of the last important thing that happens between Stevie and Magneto and the rest of the fanfic. Mm-hmm. Like, am I, am I forgetting anything? No. That's pretty no. much it. That's it. Like, that's they the culmination. basically end their whole arc there. And, like, they, they do, like, put stop it there, and then they're like, but we're not having an ongoing relationship at the end. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I guess that's fine. It's just, like, it feels weird that they rose to prominence kind of in the in kind of like the middle of the first half. Mm-hmm. And then here in the middle of the second half, that whole thing kind of falls from prominence. And it's just this arc within the story. And she's yeah. relegated to obscurity for yeah. the next two yes. decades. Uh, yeah, to and be then she honest, becomes a representative in the house. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I didn't even really think about that yeah. as the story progressed because so many other things happen after this. Yeah, well, that's true. And they seem mm-hmm. to take, like, a very, like, strong precedence. Uh, if I look back on the story now, I would have preferred that story come back around. Yeah. Because it seemed super important at the time. But it almost seems like, you know, as we split this up, 
it almost seems like it was two different stories after that story arc ended with Stevie and Magneto. Like, everything that happened after was a lot of information. It was a lot of plot, but nothing had to do with them. And it, it almost feels like two different stories at that point. It's a little strange. And I think part of the thing is that up until the end of this Asgard, Dealy. And by the way, Magneto and Stevie get back from Asgard. It's fine. Yeah, like, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to get stuck there. Up until there, it's been a relatively contained cast of characters. It was okay for like you two to go into this having seen the Avengers or whatever and like knowing your basic X-Men stuff. And it's just like, Jessica's new to it too. Here's a bunch of new characters. You kind of pick up what you need to know. We're only focusing on like three of them. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Right? But after mm-hmm. this, the story gets really caught up in mm-hmm. stuff that was happening in 1987 yes. in the Marvel Universe. And a lot of characters start showing up and a lot of plot threads that the author kind mm. of assumes you already have an idea what is going on with. Yeah. Like, start showing up. And I feel like the story loses that intimacy that was making it really work mm-hmm. in the first, like, two-thirds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I at some point I was like, this is just too niche. I... <laughs> To really understand everything that's going on, I'm going to have to do a lot of research to figure out mm-hmm. exactly who all of these people are that are showing up mm-hmm. and why it's significant. And I just decided to just enjoy it as it is, but mm-hmm. um, it's it was still enjoyable. A lot. It's yeah. Just, yeah. The writing remains consistently good. It's just, it was just a lot. Yeah. I hear you. So we've got the, the revelation they get back to Earth. Uh, I forget who gets back first, whatever. Um, Magneto and Sevier are back first. The other ones walk in, and everyone sees um, Jessica's hair, which due to some magic illusion and disguise and then stripping of that magic that has happened, whatever, whatever, all of her dye has been removed from the hair. In fact, she mentions, like, even the damage that has been done to my hair by that dye has been reversed, which is yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. It's a strange... I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, cool, yeah. The point is her hair is white, which is genetic, because Magneto's her dad. Called it. You called it. I did. Well, yeah. That's one of the few things I remembered from this fanfic. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I think the the time that CJ called it, I I hadn't called it, but at this point I totally called it. Well, there there have been a lot of hints It becomes more and more obvious. Yeah. But it's, like, one of those things that you're like, well, this seems too obvious to be true. Like, if the author is being clever, then it would be, like, a twist. Mm-hmm. But, no, it's the obvious thing. But what, what I will say is that that doesn't make the author not clever. Because I think it actually is clever in a very different way. It's that the author made it very obvious from a certain point, And they subverted the idea of subversion. They were like, oh, we're going to make it super obvious. And we're going to make it, like still be something that affects the characters super relevantly. Yeah, I appreciate it because, like, I feel like the author has the same perspective that, you know, it's melodrama, it's superhero comics, of mm-hmm. course. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Do the melodramatic totally, thing. And totally. then explore how it affects the characters. And that's what, right. like, good, engaging, long-term superhero comic narratives are all about. And, mm-hmm. like, that's what they do. Yeah, I didn't expect it because I expected it to be, like, a twist. But I wasn't disappointed that it wasn't a twist. I I felt like it was actually better in the most honest way. Mm -hmm. And I liked that a lot. And it's nice that the entire next chapter is emotional and character fallout from various things that have happened. Mm -hmm. So, like, on the, you know, surface level, they have to do debriefs about Asgard um, and that sort of thing. 
And the characters who the narrative cares about most all kind of have stuff to deal with. And so we've got a lot of time spent to Magneto and Jessica talking about their, not Magneto and Jessica, yeah, Magneto and Jessica, Mm -hmm. talking about their relationship. And Magneto had figured it out but didn't know that she knew. And she had known since she's been really little Mm -hmm. and thought Mm -hmm. that he knew. Right. Because her mother had said so. That is the clever part. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. Uh, Magneto had only figured out when he saw her. He had no clue there was a child for very good reasons because her, you know, sane enough mom did not want to tell Silver Age Magneto that, like, you know, he had a child when he was, like, an unstable, you know, like, Mm -hmm. crazy pants person. To whatever extent they, like, respected each other or, like, you know, were able to work together for, like, similar goals, like, he was also kind of a, you know unstable bastard who you like do not want to involve in your family life if you have a choice he was Mm -hmm. definitely not the best father to his other kids so to be fair Mm -hmm. question mark he didn't know they were his kids at the time okay but yeah but 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 still still. like it comes out in conversations like jessica's mom noemi is that how you say your name noemi i think so yeah noemi was like oh those are totally magneto's kids and like she could see how he treated them Mm mm-hmm you know, the silver hair being a, apparently a dominant trait yeah. here. Well, in this fanfic, uh, this fanfiction, um, there's one character who mentions, like, it's clearly... There's one character who doesn't realize that Wanda and Pietro are Magneto's kids. Mm-hmm. And there's another character who says it's clear from the silver hair that Pietro is his child, at the very least. So I feel like there's an implication in this fanfiction, at least, that it's clear that they were his kids yeah. to, to any observer. Which was absolutely true in 1987. If okay. you ever want to drive yourself totally crazy, look into the background of Wanda and Pietro's parentage and how many times it changes in the mm-hmm. comics. Oh, God. No, thanks. It's real bad. <laughs> In any case, Jessica has super silver hair. Everyone can see it. Everyone like makes the connection mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. She freaks out because yeah. she's already kind of felt bad about lying to them before and feels like she's going to be rejected by everyone in the school. So yeah. they spend a chapter having everyone talk things she has through. This, she has this great conversation with Danny where, um, you know, they're like, it's one of those, you know... Um, you know, sitcom conversations where each of them is talking about something different. But to the author's credit, they, it doesn't go on that long. It goes on just long enough and then stops. Yeah. Where, like, they're talking about how, like, you know, shocking and surprising these, you know, revelations are. And Jessica's talking about her parentage and Danny's talking about her queerness and, like, their... Mm-hmm. They're both like, but can we still be friends or whatever? And like, oh, I hope nothing's changed. <laughs> and I, I think the conversation, it doesn't... It doesn't feel very 1987 or late late 1980s to me in a good way. Like, well, I was kind of impressed. This fanfic was written in 92. It, it was um, not written in 92. It was posted oh, it was, online in 92. Oh, right, right, right. It was written in the late 80s. Got it. And I mean, the author could have made changes, but I don't think they did. Uh, fine. Anyway, Just, just yeah, like, the conversation it's is like... good. D- yeah, D- Danny's like, oh, I'm having trouble, like, thinking of myself as a lesbian. Like, that's so weird. And mm-hmm. Jessica's like, well, don't think of yourself as anything. Just, like, feel this out and, like, you know, you can deal with... You know, you can figure out what you're feeling, yeah. think about it, whatever. Mm-hmm. She's like, don't, don't have to, like, peg identity on yourself. Yeah, and she's like, and I'm the daughter of Magneto, and I'm freaking out. And Danny's like, yeah, well, you're your own person, so. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the two that began as enemies become close friends. Yeah. And it's lovely. And the other character who they care about most, I'm not they care about most, who the author cares about most, 
I mean, the author they cares about most, is Doug. Doug also has his own little subplot, because he's, like, yes. gonna tell his parents that he's a mutant. And they're coming to visit. Yeah. He's very yeah, soon. Finally gonna well, have him come he, to visit, yeah. He basically invited them to visit, because he was like, uh, they need to know at some point. But what he doesn't anticipate is that every fucking other thing else is going to happen at this point. What he doesn't anticipate is that there have not been enough explosions. (laughs) We'll get to that soon. But I do like, it's a bit of a character moment when they're talking about Doug, and he's like, yeah, I just don't know how my parents will react. I mean, they're really liberal. They oppose me in registration, but I don't know how they'd respond about their only, like, kid being a mutant. And Amara's the one who's just like, look, you could just die and, like, never have a chance to tell them, and they wouldn't have known that. And everyone, Jessica's like, that's really morbid. And Mara's like, no, it, like, you, I'm being serious and mm-hmm. realistic and we might die. And your culture doesn't seem to talk about people dying in battle, but that's a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. She, of course, is Roman. So, you know, yeah. ancient mm-hmm. Roman. She's seen some things. <laughs> I mean, she's pri- she was privileged, extremely privileged ancient Roman. But I'm sure they talk about dying in battle a lot more than your average American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just thought it was a nice chance for her to have something to do in the plot. Which she doesn't otherwise ever again. Other than freak out at some point during a mutant prom. (laughs) Oh, by the way, we have Warlock and Bobby back. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they're like, hey, and I'm like, oh, hi. It's just like our miniseries ended. We're back. Yep. To add to this soon to be completely swollen cast of characters. Things get super crazy (laughs) in the next few chapters. Yeah. So there was this event, I guess you'd call it, called Fall of the Mutants that was happening here. In the, mutant, mm. in the comics in this time. And there was kind of a separate thing happening in X-Factor and in X-Men and in New Mutants with no connections to each other except that it kept all of the teams busy at the same time so they couldn't be helping each other. Mm-hmm. And bad shit happened in all of them. Yeah. Are you following me so far? Yep. Now, yep. The, the New Mutants, they're not... They've completely avoided their Fall of the Mutants storyline due to, like, other shit happening in this fanfic. So Doug is not going to be shot and die, and that's good. Yay! Um, But the other two of those storylines are now happening in this fanfic, and the characters are going to get super involved in the X-Factor one very shortly. And so, I mean, want to lead into, like, the next major plot things, anyone? Something's happening in Manhattan. That's where every single thing happens so it makes sense you gotta blow up manhattan if you're gonna blow up anywhere it's gotta be there everything in the world happens in manhattan you may as well just have one city unless you're in doctor who world and it happens in london (laughs) (laughs) and someone's calling them for help and the someone who's calling them for help is friggin empath um Mm -hmm. i yeah yeah he he calls specifically for jessica Mm -hmm. obviously he's in a bad way he can't tell her where exactly he is but he says that he's very hungry that um, there's been trouble that they're in Manhattan, he needs help. Right. And yeah. their line of communication is cut off. Because mm-hmm. there's no phones <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> it was the only yeah. phone. This was uh, the phone. The, yeah. the, the phone got used. Yeah. yeah. It's done. No more phones. It's a dead phone. <laughs> and what follows is a debate over whether whether anyone even wants to go save Empath. But other than Jessica. Other than She's Jessica. All for it. And most of the arguments come down to, we have an alliance with the Hellfire Club. We're supposed to watch each other's backs, you know, fret against, like, mutant killing and that kind of thing. And so we kind of have to. A few of the dissenting voices are Sharon, to whom Manuel did, like, horrible things. And um, someone else is just like, nope, let's not. I think it's Bobby. He's just like, nope, mm-hmm. screw that guy. I mean, yeah. it's not just him, though, because, like, he's there with a couple other Hellions who they like well enough. Mm-hmm. Whatever. 
they, they send a team over to do it. Danny's decision is that, like, look, this could also be, like, an excellent opportunity to draw us away from the mansion. So, like, we're just sending a few people. And so it's Ileana because yeah. she teleport just because she, she actually cares. Mm-hmm. And Rain because she's got, you know, tracking as a feat. And they're all very mobile as well. They yeah. can all mm-hmm. get to and from wherever they need to be on their own. So it yeah. makes them the best people to send out at the time. I don't think mm-hmm. it comes up, but... It does. Danny, no, I, I was going to say, Danny has like a psychic link to Rain when she's transformed. And I don't mm. know how far that extends. Mm. Like, mm. May, I don't know if they could have kept in communication like that. But whatever. They go to Manhattan. Yep. What's going on in Manhattan? Uh, the apocalypse yeah. has arrived with his four yeah. horsemen. Apocalypse is happening. Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> with his four horsemen, mm-hmm. Archangel and three random schmucks. Yeah. yeah. Powers. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, They're not going to be around long. It's <laughs> just so X-Men. Like, mm-hmm. what else can you say? Yeah. It, like, yeah. Uh, it's, it's Archangel, uh, War who creates sonic booms, and two people mm-hmm. with extremely spot-on powers for pestilence and famine. Yeah, like pestilence. really spot-on. <laughs> like, yeah. like where did he find these people? Yeah, pestilence creates diseases. He famine makes so destroys clear. food and makes like, people starve. Yeah, how yeah, giddy yeah. was Apocalypse when he was like, "Oh my God, you're perfect." <laughs> exactly, <laughs> just kill people yeah. with you're hunger. Fit my theming uh, perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> and he corrupts their. I was going to go with four elements if I like... couldn't make this work out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think he also like hypercharges their powers or whatever. Yeah, I mean, um, but but that's that's got to be canon to to what went on because like, oh, it's totally you know, canon, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so there you go. So I'm, yeah, Scott and Jean Grey show up and they're well, invested I mean, like, in helping Angel because yeah, he's sure. a pal. So. Yeah, they're part of X Factor who again cannot make phone calls with X Men. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what's that? Oh, were you I asking about Jean Grey? No, I I was just gonna say I remember the story arc with mm-hmm. Angel. Where he loses wings and he kills himself. That like, is the I, one famous yeah. angel story ever. Right. So, but I remember yeah. reading this and I remember it affecting me like super deeply. Mm. So it, has to, it has to do with mental illness, but it also has to do with um, just like this deep sense of loss and tragedy that you know he felt around his power. Uh, angel was actually yeah, it was deeply affecting. That's all I'm gonna say. Warren was his name Warren Worthington the third. Yeah, the third. Yeah. <laughs> I always felt deeply affected by that story arc. So the author brings it up and very briefly. But anyway, there's a lot more going on here. You know what I just realized? Given that his name's Warren Worthington, missed opportunity that Apocalypse did not make him war. Right. Like, well, he could yeah. have finagled that. <laughs> I mean, I actually thought, like, at a you certain should... point of this, that, like, war could have been the, the angel who lost his wings and, yeah. and was bitter and... You know, I actually thought that in this fanfic that it would have worked perfectly, but it wasn't. So. I just met, yeah, just from naming, you know, alliterative issues, Apocalypse should have been like, war your death now. We have a new war <laughs> with yeah. a better name. Yeah. He's like, I'm all about branding here, okay? There <laughs> you uh, Anyway, Empath and company have been hit, but like, he's there with like roulette and cat's eye, it doesn't matter. They've been hit by famine. They have to gather up some food, including, like, robbing some, you know, yeah. high-class, like, boutique of, like, import store no, for cheese. I thought this was going to be, like, some <laughs> sort of um, manipulation of Jessica, like, that that she was going to, like, end up being manipulated into robbing a store that being framed for some sort of crime. But no, no. no. Sort. Everything's totally honest. You do yeah. get to see Empath's mind again, though, long enough to be like, fuck you again. Yeah. Because, for one thing, he's like, 
oh yeah, we were, we, you know, I was with all these other starving people. We were hit by famine, didn't know what hit us. So I manipulated these people, these starving people, into dragging me over to the payphone so I can make my phone call. Who cares? And like, there's some other offhand comment about just like, oh yeah, it, it's hard to respect people's feelings when I can change them so easily. Yeah. And you're just like, and he says, oh. when they change when they so change. easily. Oh, so yeah. he totally like removes himself from right. the, you yeah. know, it's just so, yeah, wrong. It's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I mean, whatever. It flies by, but it's also, like, really bad, so. Mm-hmm. The thing is, after that, Jessica gets caught up with all this stuff going on. She goes and fights War, the horseman of Apocalypse. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. And that part's actually pretty intense. Claps yeah, it is intense. sonic booms. Yeah, it was. For one thing, all of these horsemen have anti-telekinetic shields, so you can't just grab them which is helpful to make a fight scene more interesting. Mm-hmm. And for another thing, he's just like, yeah, you're not going to kill me. You're some, like, superhero-y kid. Like, and if you can't kill, you can't do war, and I'm just going to keep killing people. So yeah. I'm calling your bluff. And he kind of has a death wish, and she kills him. Like, yeah. accidentally, she mm-hmm. throws a bunch of glass t- that she's holding telekinetically at him at extremely high speeds. To save the people that it was going to kill. Yeah, no. It's, so, yeah. yeah, and she's really very, very... F- uh, affected by this, traumatized. Yeah. I would she say. is. It ends yeah. up being kind of a a plot thing linked to that chapter one where she did not use her powers to defend herself because she was like kind of too timid about that. Right. Where whoever talks to her about it later on is like, no, yeah, like if something good comes of this, it's that like it's okay. You can defend yourself. Like you should defend yourself. You shouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. hold back out of some kind of like fear to at the lo- loss of your own life or other pe- the people's lives or whatever. He also, though, kind of absolves her of guilt oh, as like, he that was not dies. Yes, I, but, he's back to his right mind before, like apocalypse brainwashing or whatever. Right. Yeah, but but she doesn't feel absolved because no. she feels that intensely. And, and the second thing that's going on is like Jessica's still trying to find her place in, in all of this fighting. Mm-hmm. And still trying to, you know, rectify the death of her mother. And it's still a question in her mind what caused the death of her mother and, like, how to feel about Magneto, who we now know is her father. So there's quite a lot going on for her. And I I feel like, I don't know, I feel a couple ways about this scene. I feel like maybe we should have explored this more. Like, the author should have explored more how it felt to, to kill this this person. She literally killed someone. Mm-hmm. And, and that should have some effect on like all the things she's going through. And yet the author doesn't linger on it. They linger on it for uh, like to make the guilt feel real, but not longer than that. I'm I guess it's similar to the whole Loki incident way. where it's like, yeah. they're like, yes, I'm acknowledging this, but we have these other things to get to, so we're moving on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, there are a lot of things that I want to get to action-wise, and, and they kind of got a little lost. Mm-hmm. But um, I do feel like Jessica's character is still very consistent throughout, like, dealing with these ideas of guilt and loss, and, and those keep coming up for her. And she spends the rest of the time mostly, like, saving huge enormous landmarks from getting destroyed by a giant spaceship that's kind of slowly careening across the city. While babysitting. Well, yeah, because power packs show <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, because so many other people start showing up now. It's At this like, point, oh, I was yeah. like, all right, whatever. Well, well like you were <laughs> yeah. saying, Scott and Jean show up. They're, they've been part of X Factor, whatever. And, like, we, we're on firm ground with Scott and Jean. We mm-hmm. kind of get their deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And But then, yeah, you're probably not familiar with Power Pack, and they are four superpowered children who... Um, go off doing superheroing things, which is probably a bad idea. 
And yeah, like they're children, literally kids. They yeah. wandered into the mutant massacre, and they wandered into the fall of the mutants here. And like they should probably just stay away from anything with mutant in the title, mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of crossover events. But luckily, they're also editorial pro- editorially protected from anything particularly bad happening to them because mm-hmm. they're kids. Yeah. Yeah. So Magneto's like, go take them home, and Jessica's like, I don't want to babysit, but fine. And then gets distracted by trying to save the Statue of Liberty from being blown apart by a spaceship. (laughs) Which I thought was a little nonsense. She's like, I know this isn't, like, super important because it's just a statue, but also it represents something very important. It represents America. There are people in it. There are people in it, but she has the power pack evacuate them while she's trying to do the telekinesis. Mm -hmm. Oh. Why would there be people in the Statue of Liberty? Uh, tourists. It's it, always people in the Statue of Liberty. It says, like, surprisingly, there are still tourists here. And you're like, well, I, I mean, guess. maybe because the ferries oh, stopped running. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, they, the ferries stopped running pretty early, so it's, like, the middle of the night. I don't know why. But well, I, I meant fer- maybe the ferries stopped running because the city's being attacked by, like, superpowers. I know, but I, I thought this horsemen. happened at night. Oh, I thought it was during the day. I thought it was during the day. Oh, maybe not. Okay, my bad. Yeah. I, that was my misinterpretation then. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, you could have just saved the people and not worried about the statue. Right. right. But she decides it's a super important symbol. And, and I'm just like, okay, fine. It, it seems kind of ridiculous for a couple of reasons. Partly because she tries to use her telekinesis. The ship is shielded against that. They try to like destroy part of it so it doesn't scrape using like the disintegrator powers that one of the power pack have. It doesn't work. Eventually, Magneto shows up and he's just like, oh. And he, like, bends the Statue of Liberty over. She just like, bows. <laughs> and, and, like, the ship slowly goes over it. He's just like, whoop, and puts it back up. I kind of yeah. loved that. I'm not going to lie. And he, like, fixed it up a little too. He's like, oh, yeah, well, I was at it. I, like, got rid of some of the corrosion and, like, reinforced yeah. it. Reinforced yeah. it a bit. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> and then she takes the power back home. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also a weird mind meld that happens between her and Magneto and Jean Grey when they're trying to, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really crazy. So they're trying to save the top of the Empire State Building, which has been severed from the building itself, from From falling. falling. And it's been established long ago that when she and Magneto tried using their powers on the same thing, some weird feedback happened. Mm -hmm. And also that she's got some sort of weird, you know, natural mind protection against telepathy Mm -hmm. type stuff. So that's a thing, too. It was good. It was really good storytelling to have planted that seed earlier and then come back to it. So it's not super weird that strange things happen when the three of them start all trying to, like, grab this at the same time with heavy-duty telekinesis. Their minds start to meld and mix together, and they don't really know who they are anymore, and it's all happening in, like, slow motion. Yeah. Kind of yeah. cool and crazy. <laughs> I mean, I think it, it's kind of a good tact on the author's part because uh, Jessica has been skeptical of Magneto in every step until now. So, like, how else could the author bring her around to eventually trusting him is to have them have some sort of telekinetic link. Right? Yeah, it's right. the Vulcan mind meld method link, where it's like, know. we want to we want to hurry this along. I feel your pain yeah. and your sincerity, and right. now we're... We yeah. have a better understanding. So it does It does kind of provide that next step where she's like, okay, I, I know now intimately that you did not know that I existed until just recently, that, like, you're telling the truth about, you know, these various things you're telling the truth about, mm-hmm. and that you're sincere about trying to be a good guy. It also means she's kind of, like, bros with uh, Jean Grey after that a little bit. Yeah. Which is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, okay, that, that's cool. I mean, I'd want to be friends with Jean Grey. Sure. <laughs> Who wouldn't? I know. Right. Um, so they save the city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
get back in home in time for supper and everyone lives happily ever after. Uh, kind of. Kind of, except for... Except for all the, the X-Men dying. All the yeah. X-Men die in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Over, and, you know, the fanfic is not making anything up about this death of the X-Men being no. televised broadly. Like, they've got mm-hmm. a camera person there. We have, it's like an NPR camera person, right? It's like being broadcast across the world, like, live. They're all seeing, like, oh, yeah, you know, the world-famous X-Men, you know, mutant, like, you know, vigilante do-gooder stuff are uh, sacrificing their lives in a mystic ritual to prevent this demon from destroying the world or something. Like you do. It's just another TV. Tuesday. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they end up having a, a big funeral. For the majority of the X Men, do we have a list of who dies? Yeah. What else happens important? Wait, before that, like Doug's parents showing up. No, that's during the funeral. That's during the funeral. Well, yeah, you're right. But anyway, oh, I mean, we are summarizing, but like, yeah, okay. You know, the 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 X Men die, and it's kind of a big deal, and like everyone watches them die. Yeah, it's a huge deal. But yeah, there is also yeah. So the, the, I guess that's yeah. When everything happens is after the the next couple of chapters are basically just like a bunch of people showing up and a bunch of people talking to each other. Yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of the fallout of the X Men dying, and this was a big deal in the comics too. It led to various things, including the formation of Excalibur. So I can't be too mad at it. Mm-hmm. The X Men, uh, by the way, are going to be immediately resurrected by Merlin's daughter and they go t- and their base of operations mm-hmm. is Australia and they're like, we're going to lie low and not even tell our loved ones that we're alive so that we can better, yeah. like, you know, be secret awesome people doing secret, good. Secret secrets. Yeah, secret yeah. secret secrets. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, because they're, they're terrible people and they suck and yeah, stupid X-Men. Yeah, yeah like Wolverine, bad. come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean it about all of you except... Except I kind of do in this context. It's like, yeah. <laughs> because then you've got like people friggin' mourning them, you know? Yeah. At, at the beginning well, of Excalibur, like Brian Braddock, like, you know, Psylocke's twin brother is like drinking himself, like he's in, you know, an alcoholic spiral over her death. And, yeah, you know, yeah. like Nightcrawler's almost like, why didn't I die? And like putting himself mm-hmm. in like, you know, dangerous things in like the, the danger room equivalent because he's kind of like practically got a death wish it's like yeah these are your loved ones it's pretty callous like yeah whatever but but for the purposes of this fanfic as far as the characters know mostly the x-men are for real legit dead yeah. on tv and uh, we have a valkyrie confirm that yeah, she's like they're definitely definitely yeah, dead guys right. i should know miss <laughs> watches it on tv she's like even through the the tv even through this device i saw the death aura they died they're mm-hmm. they're real dead mm-hmm and then somebody later is just like, ah, well, you know. Yeah, Doug is like, I still have faith. Yeah. Yeah. So, we live in a comic book universe. Am right. I not supposed mm-hmm. to say that? But they're coming back. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But then, Tori, like you were saying, it's a whole lot of funeral arrangements. And right. the whole extended X family showing up at the yeah. mansion. Yeah, I mean, death. yeah, there's like the shock event of seeing it on the news and being reported as a death. And then, like, there's still... A whole other long chapter of uh, like uh, I don't know I don't want to say antics because that's not completely correct but a lot of things happening such as Doug inadvertently like inviting his parents to come at, at the completely the wrong time same day but as also the funeral having like yeah all these people show up pretty randomly and so there's reuniting with a bunch of other characters 
But then there's also, like, Jessica, you know, still from her perspective, trying to, like, delay Doug's parents and not have them fully get what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know, even know how to describe that chapter. It's there's so a, much. There's so much going on. Like, Jessica's recruited to help pack up some of the X-Men's rooms mm-hmm. for the, like, stuff to be passed along because she's, like, the only one here who doesn't have an emotional connection. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, Storm's my favorite X-Man, but she's not, like... And she was my friend, and you and know, I wore her clothes, right, and whatever. Right, got mistaken for her, and yeah, and they yeah they ask Warlock to do the same because he's this weird alien robot thing. <laughs> yeah, what even is he? He's a techno organic alien. Oh, he's an alien. Okay. Yeah, that's his deal. Just thought he was a robot. I mean, that's fair. I mean, again, I was I was picturing <laughs> the 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 pie making robot from um, Adventure Time. So oh, that one, yeah, oh. I mean, Neptune. Nefter, yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought you were saying you thought he looked like Vimo, and I was like, this looks nothing no, like Vimo. No, Vimo. no, I was picturing Nefter. Okay, he looks a lot more like Nefter than like Vimo. <laughs> mm. Which is not to say he looks very I much like Nefter. I don't think that he does look like that at all <laughs> after what you showed me, but in my mind, it was Nefter. Because he, like, imitates a blender. Like, most of the right. time, he spends time in the kitchen, like, doing kitchen things. And I was like, he must be like a kitchen and robot, you know? Get in the kitchen, warlock. Exactly. <laughs> Captain Britain and Megan show up, and it's only important in that, like, in conversation with them, um, she kind of describes herself to someone else, introduces herself as Magneto's daughter for the first time, and it's kind of like a plot, mm-hmm. you know, moment there in, in that longer plot thread of character development. She's ready now that they've mind-melded. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, people say things. I, I had to compare this to Polishing Silver, right? Which was yes. that that you know episode of Cattails? Yeah, where, I was here for. Yeah, which we were also here for. Yeah. where it was just one person dying, mm-hmm. you know, Stephanie Brown, and and but you had like the whole superhero community showing up in the same way that you have like the whole extended X family, like everyone related to the X Men. You've got Moira McTaggart. You've got you know, like I said, Captain Britain. You've got the 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 kids that X Factor keeps an eye on who are going to join the New Mutants later like Boom Boom and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel yeah, like Paul, it was surprising to me they brought Boom Boom into this. I feel yeah. like polishing silver did a better job at selling the grief because you mentioned almost oh, antics, Tori. Really, I feel like half the time people don't seem affected, mm-hmm. and then a switch turns sure, and they're sure, very affected. Sure. Yeah, and I have... it's like the weight of the emotion is kind of intermittent in this chapter. It's a little strange. Yeah. And yes. the perfect example for me yeah. is Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. So Jean Grey's going through a lot. Yeah. She has finally come back after what a five or six year hiatus. She found um, out there was an imposter stealing her life who everyone thought yeah. was her who died. Right, who had like a kid with Cyclops. No, that's someone else. Oh, that's someone else, that's right. But someone else had a kid with Cyclops. But she's dead now and like there's yeah. a bunch of things going on and she doesn't know where she stands with Scott and now all of her friends are dead and mm-hmm. so she's dealing with a lot and she leaves the ceremony to go sit on top of a treehouse or something. But apparently she, like, set up as a kid, or you know, it, because, like, you have to fly to get up there. Sure. <laughs> so she's up there, and having a, a very much needed, in my opinion, alone moment. And Jessica crashes. Jessica totally crashes it, and it's totally fine with Jean, and they have this, like, nice chat, which is very nice of Jean Grey, but if it were me, I'd be like, listen, kid, I'm going through some things right now. I just want to be alone. It didn't feel very natural to me. I'm like, why give so much attention to this kid you've met like today? Mm -hmm. That took me out of it a little bit, I think. Yeah, that's such a good point because 
you know, like being engaged with the X-Men as their original characters, it almost felt like they're making cameos in Jessica's life. Yeah, and, well, they are. Right, they are. <laughs> but like, if you really think about what they're going through, like, why are they going out of their way to interact with her? Like, that's the part that felt yeah, very unreal to me, is I think mm-hmm. what you're also saying, CJ. Is, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like one of the thesis statements of this fanfic is also addressed when Cyclops asks the New Mutants, like, uh, Magneto's the headmaster here. Is that really okay? Mm-hmm. And they get to take yeah. turns being like, yeah, it's okay. He's, he's cool. He probably only right. accepts it because she and uh, Jessica Jean, Magneto Jean and Jean Grey all had, like, the mind meld thing. And so Jean so confirms, like, like, like yeah. Right. Yeah. I actually feel like this, like, this whole fanfic, like, and this might be just my criticism in a nutshell, because I thought a lot of things were good about it, but, like, it would have felt a lot more natural if things hadn't been focused so much on, like, people trying to approve Magneto as mm-hmm. headmaster or people trying to approve of Jessica as a character. Like, why is that necessary? Like, if you just, like, glossed it and you've been like, Magneto's chill now, mm-hmm. no one needs to approve of him, instead of focusing in, like, almost every chapter, someone has to be like, wait, Magneto's cool now? I don't believe that. Okay, I guess I can believe that now. All right, okay, cool. Like having to go through yeah, it so it's many times. Yeah, it's mostly Jessica, but it's still really kind of repetitive. Forced. Well, yeah, but to then, be fair, uh, that is what would happen, though. Uh, totally, and it would be really annoying, but it is what would happen. That almost feels like that should be its own plot rather than like something that's an addendum. Like it's an appendix. Uh, like, uh, there's so much things. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And so. Wait, character after character, who I'm sure you two were lost by. Like I said, the other kids, like Skids and, you know, Rusty Collins mm. and, you know. Uh, yep, nope. Um, Mystique shows up. We, we're all good on Mystique, right? Mm-hmm. With her with her life partner, um, I, sure. Irene, who um, apparently Jessica also stayed with briefly because she was part of the, she's part oh, of the really? Brotherhood of Evil Mutants right. extended family. She I missed that. She dressed in a weird costume and called herself Destiny for a long time. Yeah, I, you know, I whatever. know her, but... Yeah. Um, who else? Lila Cheney shows up, whatever. Uh-huh. I, and the author really does not confirm this, but like Lila Cheney is showing up accompanying Sam mm-hmm. and she's kind yeah. of Sam's well, girlfriend. Keep saying no, that she looks that. like Lila no, Cheney. Jessica keeps saying that she looks like Lila Cheney because she doesn't believe that she is Lila Cheney. Why because, would she not believe that? Because this is the equivalent of Sam's girlfriend being Britney Spears and everyone's saying like, yeah, Sam's going out with Britney Spears and you'd be like, you're, you're pulling my leg. This is, like, some kind of, like, oh, you but know, like, joke. Clearly, though. In-universe, in Lila Cheney is, like, this enormous, you know, friggin' rock star. Right. Who's also an interdimensional mutant thief, but whatever. As, no, that, that's as not, one does. That part's not public. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Sam going out with Joan Jett or something, or at an yeah. appropriate-ish you know, age. I mean, I hear you. Nice. I hear you. <laughs> but, like, still no one actually believes it. Like, doesn't Sam No, no, just, like, everyone believes it? it. It's just Jessica. It's just kind of oh. a joke. that like It's just Jessica's, oh, in Jessica's mind. She's like, yeah, she really does look a lot like Lila Cheney. But there's just so much going on. People are talking about Madeline Pryor, and, like, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's depths of continuity that we can ignore. Hopefully. I tried. I tried my best. <laughs> <laughs> the last kind of plot thread is this ongoing thing where, like, Magneto is like, look, I'm going to look into what killed your mom so we can try to get some resolution on that. Right, well, yeah, and that... Moira McTag- McTaggart yes. offers yeah. to help as well. Right. And that was mostly her rather than Magneto. It was mostly Moira McTaggart, yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. And because she's, like, the mutant expert. I think expert. Magneto knew what 
Mike Taggart was actually doing. But anyway. And But he recruits her, so that's nice. Oh. Okay. And I mean it's it's a little medical drama, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. It it, mm. it it's chalked up eventually to post polio syndrome. That's about as exciting as it sounds. Yep. You know, it's about as exciting as the fanfic as it sounds for me to say. She like, almost had polio, she fought she, it off, she and did. then yeah. whatever And the impact on her nervous system long term meant gradually deteriorating gross motor yeah. control of her powers. Which is, and she uh, did. Yeah. Something they couldn't have known about until the present because they didn't know about post polio syndrome until recently. Yeah, and yep. maybe if she had gone to like Moira McTaggart or Reed Richards or whatever, she could have gotten more help, but she was trying to lay low because of the whole well, like not at the being time part though, of those evil mean group yeah because but nobody knew about post polio syndrome and, and no i just and, meant maybe they yeah. could have figured out like something more to help her maybe but like maybe more more is like look your mom made decisions like she had reasons for it you've got to forgive her that and jessica mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. um yep. and that's kind of that's kind of it i mean oh and the last resolving plot thread of oh. course is like is she going to stay with the new mutants and yeah, she does a lot with She's that. Like, well, she gets like million, forty-five million dollars from Magneto or something. Oh yeah, from investments um, from her mother, I guess. But, that no, she gave no, to him. Is, is he Magneto? Said? No, it he was, says it's right? investments oh. that like her mom set up for him. Weird. I'm like, your mom was an anarchist. I don't think yeah, she was investing no. in bank. Like, I didn't catch that part in stocks. Because she what, was a confused anarchist. <laughs> She's what? a pragmatic artist, <laughs> I guess. Crazy. The part okay. that I caught was that money meant nothing to Bagnito, which is something like Doug says. But anyway, well, that's also true. Okay, but, mm-hmm. but no, right. it was supposed to be. I money thought it was like, from him. Never mind. That, that's wait, so weird. He said it was like, yeah, investments. It really that, wasn't that her from mom. Him. Her mom no. set up for him is something what? like what he says. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. I swear it was supposed to be from. Okay. And I mean, I guess she did not consider it her money. She definitely, her style as written in this whole fanfic has been, look, we went around and like tried to do, you know, whatever protesty or like terrorism-y or whatever, like anarchist good that she thought she was doing while crashing in friends' houses. Mm-hmm. Like that's definitely mm-hmm. what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like why would her mom have any money? But it does say that, and he says, consider it um, a gift from your mother, and then he's like, obviously, uh, you'll be in my will as well, or yes, something. Here we go. Yeah. Your mother created a number of investments for me, he said. What? Why? How? And they, and, well, oh, I really thought that was from him. And, like, and they uh, prospered. Okay. I thought it fitting to take those made with legally earned proceeds and transfer their ownership to you. Consider it an inheritance from your mother. Crazy. So it was not money she considered herself handi- uh, having, but like it's money that she set yeah, up in some but, way for him. But Does how? not seem consistent with her character in how? the slightest how? as presented. How? But whatever. Question is how? Well, she used her fire powers. No, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, to, to walk into a bank. <laughs> yeah. And she did rob banks. That was mentioned that she oh, robbed banks. That's oh, that's true. That's one of the things she did. So this money did. is all like super illegal. But he just, said, no, he that... just said it was the money that was... <laughs> made with legally earned proceeds from well, robbing banks. Legal, Maybe she was a street performer. <laughs> she was a she was a, a fire eater, and she used that money she to just make investments. Invested really wisely. Yeah, <laughs> she put like twelve dollars into the best possible security. She lucked right, out anyway. with the uh, no, I guess the dot com uh, bubble wasn't forming mm-hmm. then, but you no, know, no, something, yeah, something, something, something. Yeah, she invested time. in Nintendo yeah. at the right time. And yeah. <laughs> one of the last things going on with this 
uh, last chapter is oh, people man. making well we're, we'll get to the last last thing okay. is people making offers to Jessica it's like look you can go stay with us if you want oh, yes. like Scott is like look you can go stay with us and other kids we have like with us with X Factor and mm-hmm. she's like uh, where McTaggart is like yeah. come stay with me at Muriel if you don't want to be here in you know mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. like with Magneto or whatever and like she makes the conscious choice she's like this, these are my friends my relationship with Magneto is like being we're building something there yeah um, and I'm going to stay. She's like, I think I've found my home. <laughs> Which was and all obvious. Super that it rich. Would yeah. yeah, of course. What so. doesn't happen is her ever taking up the code name Kid Dynamo. No. Uh, but what does happen is that she's trying to like make some sort of resolution with Magneto. Yeah. So that's kind of. They the have a very honest conversation, like yeah. almost, you know, extremely Way straightforward. Too Way too honest. About her yeah. sex life, even. He's oh, well, like, that's, did that's you use protection on. with that's, Loki? I want, want to well, bring it up. That was earlier, yeah. Right. <laughs> but I would not have that conversation well, with Well, Here's the thing is that Jessica, like, she's. It appears she's coming round to Magneto mm-hmm. and his, like, revised. Uh, whatever. Not revised, but like a. Reformed. Reformed, thank you, role. But yeah, he asks her about her sex life, and she's just, like, overwhelmed to the point of needing to dip. And that happens multiple times over and over, even until the very end, when he brings her the financial portfolio. Mm -hmm. She's overwhelmed, she needs to dip. But the thing that kind of shows us that she's really come around, she says, I'm going to stay with the... Like, the... uh, With... uh, what do you call it? The new mutants. The new mutants. And it's not like, and like I said, it's not because she has no other choice. Right. And that's right. important. It's important for the author to have set yes. up that like, Absolutely. you know, it's not out of your own safety, out of fear that you need to stay here. It's like, you could go somewhere else. Right. But she chooses to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of the note that the fanfic ends on. Except but it's for the... still funny because she's been overwhelmed and needing to dip from every conversation <laughs> she's had with Magneto so far. Character anyway, growth. She yeah. has an arc. It's lovely. Yeah. Okay. And then we come to the end notes. Yes. So. Dated the... May. 2143, which is weird, but we'll get to that. Oh, well, yeah. there's a reason for that, yeah. I know there's a reason for that, but it's still a little strange. So it then comes out that all of this has been a popular work based on historical records, including journals of Jessica's. Yes. In an attempt to kind of humanize someone who apparently became some sort of superhero figure mm-hmm. of note that mm-hmm. was, you know, kind of valorized. Yes. Yeah. Extra and? And it's... All very Harry Potter postscript because in the process of thanking the sources, Mm -hmm. we get several pairings. Like the the author of this book thanks several people for access to their parents' records, and here are some of the pairings that we're getting here. Um, We have I'm I'm very sorry to say this empath and Amara, Manuel and Amara. Why? Because of an issue of New Mutants. Because of a single issue of New Mutants, but like the author it's clearly the only, didn't think Empath was a good person. Yeah, it's the only this, it's the so. only time in the comics that they try to give him anything resembling some sort of redeemable inner life, and it involves kind of a you know possible interaction like yeah. relationshipy thing with well, Amara. It definitely seemed like the author wanted Empath to be a redeemable character. It's just they it's didn't do the work to redeem him. In well, this. no, they they didn't. It's very interesting. They want to set it up. They're like, look, he was a person. He's like he has a background. Yeah, he's coming from somewhere. Person, even though he's a piece of total like, shit. Yeah, they they didn't do any work to redeem him. And at I all. was expecting that to come 
that plot thread to like go somewhere, right? It doesn't. Yeah, they more because... made Jessica empathetic to him, but then still showing him to be shitty. And Empath actually has anything else. Manuel actually has another conversation with Jessica that goes the same way as the first one, where he's like, "How yeah. about we run away and like mm-hmm. be a cool team of of yeah. siblings?" And, it's still and she's clear like, that uh, he's no. shitty. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I I don't like your decision, but I accept it." Yeah. And that's like the same thing that happened the first time. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. But like, anyway. So it's like I, they wanted to redeem him and then they just chose not to. I don't understand why. So I anyway. hope he got redeemed in the margins because he has a yeah. great grandson who is clearly descended through Amara because it's Caesar Manuel III of Nova Roma, mm-hmm. which is where she's from. Uh, we've got also set up Stevie Magneto because they apparently have a child named Dr. Carl Hunter Xavier. Mm-hmm. I guess he's still they going named as... named him Doctor. That's... Yeah, Doctor. Uh, that's what you do when you have ambitions for your child (laughs) these are my kids doctor (laughs) captain and dentist (laughs) dentist I think you still say doctor (laughs) this one's just MD doctor MD (laughs) doctor house MD that's anyway my first child yep Stevie Hunter and Magneto they hook up Canonically, you know, in this fanfic, it's like I said. So that's it's just like, like all the sort obvious of things. closure, I guess, for yeah. that plot line. But kind of, I guess. We got Sam and Rain because oh. there's a president Sinclair Guthrie, um, yep. great grandson of Samuel Guthrie, Guthrie, and she's Rain Sinclair. Just in case that wasn't clear, and oh. that's that's one of the very very possible. I mean, you know, in the New Mutants, it's kind of well done in terms of just, like, maybe people kind of have a crush on each other sometimes, but then nothing comes mm-hmm. of it, like, mm-hmm. would happen with teenagers, and then, like, maybe they have crushes on other people. It's like a pairing that was yep. hinted at, whatever. And then uh, we get the upsetting one. Yeah. Because the person writing this is Jessica's son, I guess, Jessica's child, Jasper Lokisin Majewski. Yeah. Yep. And what? I was like, like wait a minute. What? What possible circumstances? Also, was she pregnant during I, that second half I of this I hope not, fanfic? because that would be even worse than the alternative, which well, is some sort of redemption arc for Loki offstage. Deliberately brought up. Did you use protection? And she was like, I think so. Yeah. Well, she said, I use, we use protection, but then she stops to think and says, if everything was an illusion, including his appearance, could the condom have been an illusion mm-hmm. too? Which implies, yeah, because why would she ever have gone back it, with this guy who manipulated and deceived her? She I, she tore him. those flowers that he sent up. Yeah, like so, I, it's actually a better option that she got pregnant through this rape than she rather went back than to the awful manipulative I mean, partner. Prob- everything about it is terrible. It's probably the least bad option that that's the case and that this kid later on accepts Loki's as part of his name for his own reasons. Because, like, if she, if she wouldn't name him that, it's still bad. I mean, it's the, all the, so bad. It's really bad. The other alternative is just it's superhero comics. Maybe the author just wanted to imply that in the course of a long and eventful superhero comic life, you know, stuff happened with Loki and Jessica, and, like, Loki had his own redemption Somehow, arc. Somehow, yeah. Like, Loki's cool in the comics now. He's a cool, you know, he's, like, a cool trickster, you know, goodish ish guy, more so than 
you know, he was, whatever. It goes back to the whole Magneto thing. Can someone be redeemed? Well, the answer Not is if you don't show it. Right. <laughs> at the very no, least, at the yeah. very least. They didn't do a lot to But show I don't, that, it's, so. uh, yeah. So, I mean, at least that explains how he's writing this, like, 150 years after the events of, uh, you right, know. Right, because he's half immortal. <laughs> and speaking of being half immortal, I like that among the people he thanks, he thanks all these, like, descendants and, you know, like, children and, like, great-great-grandchildren of various people for records. He thanks several other people who have written works about the X-Men who are unrelated genetically. And he thanks Jean Grey. Oh, Wait, she's going to be around. Come yeah, on. She's, she's still around. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Jean Grey, for her help now and then. And I'm just like, yeah, sure, Jean Grey's still alive. Yep. Like, <laughs> why not? I accept that completely. Yeah, I didn't blink an eye at that one. <laughs> <laughs> and also, also Nathan Summers, who, that's fine. He's He's got some time travel going on, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we can complain about that canonical Kid Dynamo relationship for probably as long as we want to. But we should probably wrap this up. So what else do we want to complain about besides this implication that maybe they, Jessica and Loki had some sort of reconciliation after that ridiculous, horrible abuse, whatever? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's bad. Having a teen pregnancy is bad. It's all bad. Okay, but what else in the fanfic is bad? That's what we're, we're going to try to complain. Okay, here. I'm thinking, <laughs> who are these power pack kids? Why do I care? I don't. Why should I care? I don't. <laughs> this fanfic should be all about the power pack so that we care. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the author did, did a lot of effort to like incorporate a lot of things that I thought that they, they thought the audience would care about, mm-hmm. in, you know, specific new mutants, and I appreciate that. The thing is, is um, as a criticism... Like, it kind of, it's a weird, for me, a a kind of combination of praise and criticism. Because for praise, they did a good job of incorporating all those elements, I think. Not doing a lot of Mutiny Mutants. But as a criticism, it's like some things are left to the sideline. The way this fanfic starts is you care a lot about Jessica. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is about her. Like, she's being pursued by the people you think the FBI are actually the right, and she's rescued, and everything's from her perspective. But towards the end, you kind of get bogged down in these cameos. And, and these big lose, events. Mm-hmm. You lose her identity in that. Yeah. Like, you still get her story arc of trying to accept who she is through her father, but it becomes redundant. Like, multiple times she's like, I don't want to be associated with Magneto because he's terrible. And it just keeps going over and over again on the same thing. Yeah. So yeah. You, you just lose a sense of development with her character. Like, I think her character is strong, but the sense of development of who she is is lost. So that's my criticism. Saving my praise for later, I would agree with that, especially because it does begin as a character-based story. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say... The, I think the author struggles with resolving plots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, some plots are very much resolved, but many of them are dropped in favor of, yeah, like having cameos or having having a say in all of this, all of these different um, comics that were going on at the time yeah. and, and bringing them all together in, in a way that maybe this author would have liked or wanted to have happen. Um I think there was a there they they wrote a rich world around this character and 
sometimes failed to kind of bring that to a satisfying conclusion in different ways. So. Yeah, some of my predictions before were like, well, they've got to do something with, you know, Manuel, well, right? Yeah. Whatever. And mm-hmm. they, didn't, they just really don't. No. And yeah. like if they set it up and just nothing happens. And mm-hmm. like I said, I, I don't like all this attention paid to Magneto and Stevie and like you're really kind of invested in that. And mm-hmm. then it just sort of fizzles out mm-hmm. narratively, I mean. Like, yeah. it's not like it's an unreasonable conclusion for the relationship, I guess. It's just that like, it's kind of, it kind of just gets lost. So I feel like, yeah, that personal scale that we're talking about, we're all in agreement here, Yeah, gets totally bogged down later on. We didn't even mention some of the cameos. She gets knocked into the Daily Bugle at one point. Right. Right. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, sits down and, like, gets her bearings and interacts fairly extensively yep. with J. Yeah. Jo- J. Jonah Jameson and... Uh, it's very Robbie. rude, unsurprisingly. Yeah, and kind of, yeah, like, really weird, actually. It's really mm-hmm. pointless. I mean, narratively. Yeah. yeah. Like... Served no function at all. Considering the word count, those words could have u- been used more efficiently and, and better yeah, t- yeah. toward the plots that were already set up mm-hmm. rather than right. doing that sort of thing. So, yeah. And the same, I think, could be said of the character cameos. Like, they didn't need as many cameos as they had. You don't really need power pack there either. No. Like, no, you, can get, yeah. you can get in and do what you're doing and get out or whatever. If you're going to bring in, you know, characters like, uh, well, for instance, Boom Boom, mm-hmm. who's always been one of my favorites, not going to lie. But, like, <laughs> she only has a couple lines, and they, they bring in her with Kurt and with Kitty Pride and with everybody else very deliberately with Scott, with Jean Grey, but it's like, if you're going to bring all those characters in, like, do it a little earlier, give them more. Well, you know? give them less more, like, because if you're going to have, yeah, if you're that, gonna have you everybody know? come in, mm-hmm. you don't need to acknowledge everybody and have most of them say something. Like, you can just kind of describe it in general and then focus on the character pieces that you need to, you know, have. Yeah. Or, or write a sequel book. That could work, too. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a lot of ways they could have handled There's plenty there to write about, so... Mm-hmm. Why not have the the climax confrontation be with just the new mutants that we've met and spent so much time yeah, with? Yeah, would you just have mm-hmm. the climax mm-hmm. come emotionally between Jessica and Magneto after they get back from Asgard? Mm-hmm. And, like, things have happened to them or whatever, and they have, like, you know, a new perspective, having been away from each other and, like, had some experiences and going back together, and they work out some of their differences and, like, and he decides to stay on with at the school for a little bit longer. Right. And, like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That would be a perfectly well-contained arc mm-hmm. yeah uh maybe do something with manuel if you're still gonna keep that plot thread too yeah even have <laughs> that be the the climactic confrontation that would be a good climactic confrontation yeah, yeah. because like, at least it would be but that personal thing that like is so built up early on what right. was even the point of having him in the story be so close to her it doesn't you know. interact with her and Magneto, which is like the main relationship that's interesting yeah. it doesn't interact with her and her mom which is another in- relationship it's interested in it doesn't impact Magneto and Stevie. It doesn't impact her and the New Mutants. It doesn't impact anything other than her and Manuel. It, it mm-hmm. felt like the author not wanted to something there, and they just didn't quite reach fruition with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are our complaints. Mm-hmm. Move on to praise. Yeah. This is a good writer. Yeah. yeah. Very engaging. Um, obviously knows their way around a sentence. There was I didn't have any difficulty reading through this fanfic which was very nice <laughs> yeah never it's quite long but it didn't feel as long as it is for me mm-hmm. it's actually really hard to describe like my feelings about this fanfic because i felt like it was so engaging and especially that end note 
which was, I think, supposed to be, well, I mean, I know it was supposed to be, you know, the the child's view of Jessica as the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to describe my mother is how it starts, like, as a, the doctor, the woman, the legend, you know, and, like, it, I read these journals of hers is, is how this end note goes, and, and I made this story out of it. And it's just, it's so expressive, and just to have that as an end note with Jessica's whole story being a 17-year-old trying to navigate the death of her mother, but also having these crazy X-Men experiences. Mm-hmm. It was such a complete story to me that talked about losing your mother, reconciling yourself with your parent, you know, who's supposed to impart everything to you, and also being fully and completely an X-Men story. I, I felt like the author did something really complete with that, and, I mean, I I assume it was something personal to them, you know, something involving their parent, because I don't know why else they would fixate so wholly on how a, a parent whose past has affected them. But either way, they, they did an incredible job with how that affected Jessica and how that, you know, bringing it full circle with the child was something I fully didn't expect. And I thought that was a really beautiful way to do it. Yeah. CJ, you said it was a character piece and it's very, it's very focused on Jessica most of the time, which is very good because she ends up being a very well-realized character. Mm-hmm. I feel like we haven't read many other fanfics that folk that had like new brand new characters that were important and certainly no other fanfic that was so censured around a brand new character Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of confidence i think to say like yes Mm -hmm. you know your characters the new mutants who you like and the x-men i'm writing about a new character Mm -hmm. it's about her and and, like sell you on it so well i had the thought like if i went back to like watch the movie that's coming out right or read one of the new mutant comics i'd be like where's jessica yeah It'd be yeah. really weird I, for me. I, I'm kind totally, of picturing, yeah. I'm you know? picturing a group she shot now so of well. the new mutants with yeah. her standing, like being a little bit taller than like yeah. some other characters, like a little bit white hair, and, yeah, right. because of those specific descriptions and how well her personality, like how much attention the author gave to her personality, fitting with the other ones, and all of her relationships with the new mutants as well. Exactly, yeah, they're yeah, all very well defined. Yeah. yeah, so oh well, some more so than others. Yeah, but that's just a function of narrative attention. It's like. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't do as much with Rain because we can't do something with everybody. We That's can't fine. do five chapters of her just talking to people. Right. <laughs> yeah, but they did a lot with it. They did, they did a lot. Good. Yeah, because there's significant time spent to her relationship. I mean, Danny's most important. Mm-hmm. Doug's second most important. But also Ilyana. Mm-hmm. And she gets to have a few moments with like people like Amara and Sam. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she kind of gets, you know... A lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Bobby and Warlock might as well not be here, but that's fine because we had enough characters. It's fine. Yeah. Well, they showed up late. So. <laughs> and that's what I mean. You know, it's like yeah. I don't even care if they showed up late. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you get from <laughs> yeah. Bobby? He likes to flirt. We're done. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Warlock gets a lot of personality, but like, well, Warlock has Warlock a lot had, of personality. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> that's what Hard to ignore Warlock when you'll, he's in the room. Right. <laughs> you only need one scene with Warlock, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> But the author wrote so, it really well. He was fun. So. Yeah, so the character work with Jessica is really good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it makes you want there to be more of her and yeah. more of New Mutants with her. General, like, writing, sentence structure, all of that, really good. Characterization is really good. Dialogue is really good. Mm-hmm. I just think that they lack a little bit in the plot structure. 
I think mm-hmm. that was just a lack of planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it if, might have been, if I had to it break was, it down. Which happens with fanfics. Yeah. It, it seems to have been published serially in that APA, mm-hmm. yeah. right? It was definitely published, not not written all at once and published at once. It was definitely serialized. You even have those neat yep. little descriptions, like summaries at the start of each issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, each chapter mm-hmm. saying like what's basically been going on. Yeah. I like how she yeah, always, cute. I like so, how she yeah. always describes the character as, what is it? Telekinetic mutant, yeah, fire, well, teenage because, runaway, teenage runaway, yeah. Jessica Pierce, Jessica, well, whatever. Because that's who the character was at the start, <laughs> and she, the the author, uh, they they reuse the same pieces for each chapter. They just add another piece describing the previous chapter. But I mean, to teenage me, telekinetic fireproof mutant runaway, Jessica yes. Pierce. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm gonna nitpick, I mean, the Three Musketeers was serialized. Sherlock Holmes was serialized. If you yeah, they don't read well as like cohesive stories either. I mean, true, but I mean, so was Count of Monte Cristo. Dumas uh, okay. did a lot of serialized work, and yeah. it was cohesive because it was planned. Mm, yeah. I mean, if you want to be nitpicky, I mean, they could have done better, but I mean, this isn't Dumas, so it's fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you saying you're not taking this seriously uh, as literature, <laughs> CJ? No, but yes. <laughs> Um, I, I think if the author had a chance to like come back in and revise this, I really think it could be an incredible work. Absolutely. Oh yeah, you could pull it together. Yeah. Another editing pass or two, like if this yeah. was the sort of thing that had an editor, right, would I definitely do it, some yeah, it's, wonders. It's basically, well, yeah, like you were saying, CJ, like a failure of editing through the serialization process, which could have been done better in a first pass, but in a second pass, could be amazing. And, yeah, amazing. I mean that's something yeah. we often see in fan fiction, right? Because right. like, mm-hmm. what's what's the incentive to do a second pass, right? You've got your right. ideas down. You've got it down well enough that people are going to enjoy it. You're mm-hmm. spreading it out in the world. Well, and, like, and your audience done. is reading it at the same pace you're writing it, That's which true. means yeah. that mm-hmm. they're not... Like, we read this very quickly. All at once. Right. So we can absorb those edits, but the audience probably didn't notice them, you know, just like the author didn't notice them. Probably. And if this was an actual... like. This is a different kind of serialization, right? Mm-hmm. Even in the late 80s, you, this wasn't being sent into a newspaper that had an editor that was asking these questions, right? right? They were just right. publishing. The APAs will publish anything, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> so, That's the point. Yeah. A- amateur publishing. So mm-hmm. under those conditions, still a very, very impressive piece of writing, yeah. in my right. opinion. I just like to say, I, I agree with everybody that the author indulged themselves too much on cameos and continuity stuff. Their continuity work is spot on, however. Like they knew <laughs> sure. oh, yeah. they knew exactly when everything in this fanfic was happening to the issue in between, you know, in this like one year span of Marvel comics, yeah. which takes far less than a year in, you know, like actual time. It, I mean it's probably less yeah. than a year of Marvel comics too. Mm-hmm. But like <laughs> I, I know enough about it to know that the author knew far more than me about it and knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, I just said true, even though I realized I had no idea. But, like, I could tell the author knew right. because they were so confident. And was... that kind of nerdity about continuity makes, pleases a certain part of me, even when it's not really in the service of the story completely. Yeah. Continu- me too. Continuity just scratches an itch. Yeah. Just us. Mm-hmm. Well, and I felt like I learned something from this. Me too. And I, I, What I had... did you learn? Did you learn about the existence of Power Pack? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it was a crash course. I was like, oh, I guess this is a thing. <laughs> so how many years do you think until we get a Power Pack movie? I'm going to give it Three. six to eight. 
That sounds reasonable. Because we're definitely getting a Power Pack movie. They're going to they're gonna reach down in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Enough characters are going to leave who were main characters. They're going to be like, we'll need other franchises, you know. And what's not sellable about, like, as young kid actors as we can get to act? Like, <laughs> bouncing around the Marvel Universe. The mega diaper babies, Whoa. as I call them. <laughs> Child actors are very in right now. I will give mm. you that. So Could happen. We'll see. Could happen. Yeah. I think it's inevitable, but not anytime soon. When it, when, when it does, we'll be here <laughs> to make comments about it. We'll read a matching Power Pack fanfic, just like we're going to totally cash in on the New Mutants movie. Totally mm-hmm. intentionally. Yeah, very planned. <laughs> All right. Well, next week, we have Dom still out. But I think we're going to be reading a Final Fantasy VIII fanfic, which is not 100% decided. I have one written down here, but I thought I changed it, but it's not changed on my file, so I'm going to have to go take another look about that. It's probably something Final Fantasy VIII. We're planning on having Tori's brother Chris on as a guest again to be a third person until we can get Dom back. As for this, this was episode 76 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, because we've been doing this for a while. Kid Dynamo chapters 7 through 12 by Connie Hirsch, published in XAPA, the amateur publishing thing, in the late 1980s, and published online in 92. That's all correct, right? Yeah. You can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfrdynamo, D-Y-N-A-M-O. And before that, you can go listen to the song Kid Dynamo by the... Buggles. Buggles. It's a jam. Yeah, we just yeah. listened to it no, it's during a great our song. little breaks. Yeah. We had never heard it. I like it. I had heard it. <laughs> oh, interesting. Because it's famous? It, it, ish, yeah. Ish. I mean, it, it was more famous then than it is now, so there you go. Hmm. Okay. Well, in terms of other songs, the intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. That is, of course, a site where you can find the other episodes of our podcast, and that's about it. But you can search them by tag, which could be useful. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, please contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic, or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com, Actually, there's quite a few other things there. We've got Facebook at RetroFanfic. We've got Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective. Not Reddit. Yeah, Reddit. Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective. We've got an Instagram I still haven't used, but that's RetroFanfic, right? Sure. Oh, Why dear. not? I should really <laughs> look that up. It only makes sense if it is. <laughs> and you CJ should know. <laughs> Definitely, I would. <laughs> I mean, I should know too, but... <laughs> You should also leave comments or reviews on the podcast service of your choice that you're using to listen to this very excellent, highly professional podcast. Very polished. (laughs) I'm Amato. I'm Tori. And I'm CJ. We're just three new mutants trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care.
So, uh, the X-Men have just returned from this massacre. Mm-hmm. And uh, Moira McTaggart is very worried. And she says, Ah, you mean it isn't over? And Storm, <laughs> who looks awesome, <laughs> says, It has barely begun. And it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I'm just really Here. excited to read.